0: So as Bryn said, my name is Jennifer, and I've been with you all a number of times before. And if you've been here when I've been preaching, you know that I'm going to do something weird in the middle of the sermon, and I'm going to make you participate. And you can have all the feelings you want to about that, but you have to participate, okay? Okay. Thank you. I like the enthusiastic response. So if you, when you came in, hopefully you got a piece of paper and a marker or two. If not, don't panic. I'll make sure you get it when it's time, okay? But that means you have to pay attention, because when it's your turn to participate, like, you got to know what you're doing. You can't go to sleep. Deal? Deal. All right. So we're going to turn this morning uh, to a passage from Romans. uh, And I didn't tell Dave what I was using as my text, but I love the way that um, the song that we just sang about living hope ties in nicely to this passage. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God, but God proves his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. But most of all, God, we pray that you would take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. So my three-year-old son, Jonah, has recently begun repeating a phrase that he has completed with his own signature gesture. Hmm, that's a little tricky. There's like an eyebrow thing that happens too. Imagine a three-year-old boy doing it though. It's much cuter than when I do it. Okay, you got, or are you tracking with me? Okay, at least there's laughter. 9.30 nine was like dead silent. I'm like, it's a little boy, laugh. Okay, all right. Hmm, that's a little tricky. So today is Trinity Sunday, which is the day that the church celebrates the beauty, the mystery, the confusion, the brilliance of the three-in-one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not sure what it says about me as a person or as a preacher that when I realized today was Trinity Sunday, I said, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Let's do that. Because most sane preachers steer clear of Trinity Sunday because, as Jonah would say, hmm, that's a little tricky. (laughs) But, you know, maybe the little guy is on to something. Maybe the mystery of the Trinity should be a tricky one for us. Maybe it should be difficult for us to understand. Maybe we should embrace the mystery and the trickiness of it. Augustine, who was one of the great theologians of church history, once wrote that when it comes to talking about the Trinity, he says, the great poverty from which our language suffers becomes apparent. But the formula three persons has been coined not in order to give a complete explanation, but in order that we might not be obliged to remain silent. Now, of course, there are, there are thousands of orthodox answers to our questions about God. And the church has found ways, even though they are not fully adequate, to attempt to describe that which is indescribable the nature of God. But I suspect, if we're honest, these answers make about as much sense to you as they do to me, which is to say, not very much at all. It's a little tricky talking about the Trinity. One of the things I've learned over the last four years as a hospital chaplain is that those tidy orthodox answers don't work very well at a hospital bedside. But before you worry too much about the weird chaplain lady who says weird things, I'm not gonna make you head into heresy today. We're not going to do weird things with the Trinity, but I do want to make you wonder. So indulge me and we're gonna tell a story This story has absolutely nothing to do with the Trinity, but everything to do with why the Trinity should be difficult to understand. This story comes from the beginning of a a little book called Hunting the Divine Fox, written by priest and author Robert Capone. And here's how he tells it. This is the story of a lovely oyster living at the bottom of the sea. The oyster lives next to a perfectly ordinary rock. The oyster is quite happy with his little life, and perhaps a bit, arrogant about his evolutionary supremacy over the rock, which is of course a mere member of the mineral kingdom. Now the oyster was perfectly happy until one day a starfish appears. And the oyster learns just how starfish look down upon oysters. Because from the starfish's perspective, oysters are just rocks with stomachs. At once the oyster spins into anger and depression. He begins to realize just how little he knows. And he wonders whether life is even worth living any longer. He cries out to God as though playing an oyster-style Job. He curses the day he was spawned. He laments the darkness and doubt and cries out for an answer from above. And what do you know? But a voice comes from the heavens. All right, all right, but let's make it short. It's Friday afternoon after all. It's all true, declares the heavenly voice. There are things you've never even dreamed of. All kinds of stuff. And with creatures you couldn't imagine if you tried. As a matter of fact, that's your problem. There you sit with a rock on one side and a starfish on the other. My apologies. It's a limited field of vision, I admit. Anyways, my creatures, let me tell you a few. Squirrels going through trees, it's one of my best effects. And do you know the last time a squirrel missed his footing? I keep track of such things. It was May 3rd, 1438. (laughs) I've got creatures so graceful they almost break your hearts. When it comes to exquisite moves, my favorite maybe is girls' knees. Seriously, if you take the knee thing and you really go all the way with it, you get my absolute favorite for loveliness, a prima ballerina. Listen, though, your basic problem is your point of view, if you're going into business as the world's first philosophical oyster, it's fine by me. But just so you don't get it all wrong, I'll give you one piece of advice. Remember that all this stuff, it really is. But it can't possibly be the way that you think. Or to turn it around, the way you think about things will never be, the, will never be exactly the same as the way they are. The way you, oyster, the way you, human being, think about things will never be exactly the same as the way they are. If indeed oysters cannot comprehend the knees of ballerinas, how much more can we not begin to comprehend the three-in-one God. And yet, just as a little oyster begins to contemplate the universe, so do we. We human beings don't ever seem to stop trying to understand and describe that which is so utterly beyond us. Scripture writers and countless believers of the last thousands of years have tried to describe God but our words are too frail to do the job. We cannot paint a true portrait of God because creatures cannot capture their creator. We can't capture our creator any better than a bed of oysters can dance Swan Lake. And yet, the best that we have is to describe our experience of God. We can describe the sounds and feels, the tastes, the smells. Perhaps for you, some of those tastes and smells are of the sweet Hawaiian bread and juice that we taste as we gather around the communion table. For me, one of the most enduring tastes of the experience of God are those 1990s style smiley face French fries that we served at Wednesday night church suppers my entire childhood. I remember them being delicious. I bet if I tasted them now, I would hate them. Or maybe the sounds for you are, are, are pipe organs in cathedral-like spaces or slightly out-of-tune pianos and old country churches. Perhaps the, the feels of the experience of God are tight embraces from those whom you love. Or perhaps the sights and tastes and smells of the experience of God come from places outside of the church walls, from sunshine and the smell of grass or the tastes of your grandmother's kitchen And for some of us, the experiences of God that formed us were made in faraway places or even war-torn places. And this is the best that any of us have ever been able to do, to simply confess those experiences of God, to confess what it's like when we're in the presence of God. And so you know what I'm gonna make you do now, right? I'm gonna make you do that work. In a minute, I'll make sure that you all have paper and markers, but I want you to spend a few minutes. Maybe you need to draw a picture. Maybe you need to make a list. Maybe you need to write a poem. I got caught as I was, I I did the assignment myself. I'm not gonna make you do anything I didn't do, but I got caught trying to find just the right words, right? And so I decided to write a haiku, which is a poem. It's, five, it's three, three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. It doesn't have to be a complete sentence. Christopher's going to put it up on the screen for me. I'm not after perfect words. I'm after what does it feel like to be in the presence of God? What is it like to experience God? What are the sights and smells and tastes and feels that help you connect to this divine being who is so far beyond our imaginings? So for me, this is the best I can do today. Expansive water, mediocre church dinners, and bread and juice held out. So you're to spend the next few minutes thinking about what it is for you. The sights and smells and tastes and feels that connect you into the presence of the holy, mysterious, divine God. But God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And as a result, we are invited in to life with God, the triune God who is so much more than we can possibly begin to comprehend or describe. And yet we have the legacy of Scripture, the legacy of the church, the legacy of hymns and songs that give us some form of language to begin to capture the mystery, the beauty, the trickiness of entering into this triune life. We are invited to remember that just as oysters cannot begin to appreciate or describe the movement of prima ballerinas, neither can we fully explain or even fully rejoice in the complexity and the mystery of the Trinity. And yet we do not remain silent. This life of following Jesus is a life characterized by the realization that our identity is rooted in God. It is rooted in experiencing personally, intimately, uniquely, repeatedly, the three-in-one God who by grace allows us into relationship. When we leave this morning, we're going to sing the words from an old hymn called Holy, Holy, Holy. The hymn takes the words of Isaiah 6 and reworks them a little bit and sets them to this music that begins to capture one more person's experience of entering into the presence of the divine. As we sing those words of God's majesty, as we sing those words of the God who creates and sustains and redeems, may the words remind you that however you might experience God, God has come and dwelt among us as Jesus Christ and died on the cross for the sake of our sins and has sent the Holy Spirit to continue moving in our midst to reveal more and more the majesty and mystery of God. A mystery that we cannot and should not try to tie up neatly, but rather allow to unfold in messy, miraculous ways because we confess that it's a little bit tricky for us to understand. And although the Trinity is a mystery, we can trust in the ways that God has already and continues to reveal the very nature of God's self. And for that, we give thanks. And in that reminder, we come to gather around the table the table where we tell again the story of the gospel, where we tell the story of a God who took dirt and breathed into it the breath of life, that we might be formed in God's own image, formed to love and to be loved. We tell the story of a God who, even when our love failed, God's love remained steadfast. And through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God made a way for us to be redeemed, to be set free, to live in the mystery and the majesty of life with God. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Jesus that we might be for the world, the body of Jesus broken and poured out, And by your Holy Spirit, make us one with each other, one in ministry to all the world. We pray, God, that as we wait for that second coming, that we might long for that final victory around the table with Jesus. We pray these things in the name of the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.